Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. So I'm excited. Welcome to The Best Life. I'm, I'm so pumped to introduce you guys to our new guest today. So we have Deanna Schober on today and she is going to, she's a mom of four and I'll let you, I'll let her tell you exactly who she is in her story. Um, but she is an online coach. She works with a lot of women, especially moms who want to get healthier, who want to get more consistent, want solutions uh, for busy lifestyles. And one of the things and the reason why I wanted to get Deanna on is because she specializes in self-care for mom specifically. And the way that she talks about self-care is nothing like I've ever heard before. And I think that that's um, a big, I think for a lot of us, we'll talk about this, self-care can, again, it's one of those words that gets thrown around. So, so it kind of loses its meaning. And so I want you guys to hear from Deanna to talk about how she defines it and then how she helps her clients with it. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I know. Thanks for having me. Me too. And you have your own podcast, which yes. we'll get into as well. Yes. Um, but for people who maybe are not familiar with you, let's give us a little synopsis, a little bit about how you got into the space and what, what you currently help your clients with. Okay. I got into this space. I left a career after um, many, many years of being of owning my own photography business. And um, after my youngest was born, I have four children. After my youngest was born, I had this totally different experience of motherhood. Um, my first three, I was exhausted. I was drowning. I was feeling like, um, you know, there was never enough time, never enough money for me. And just, I was working all day or sorry, working all night and taking care of them all day because of mom guilt. I wouldn't like get a sitter. I mean, it was just so intense. Um, and after my third was a little bit older, I went through some kind of serious things, um, really traumatic things all at once. And um, the result of that was that I was either going to get my shit together and practice self-care and take care of myself, or these kids were not going to have a mom to... Um, take care of them. So I started a little bit at a time practicing self-care and um, figuring that out for myself and what that meant for me and um, was able to really have a totally different experience with my fourth. He was, um, I, I felt much more present. I felt rested. I felt less resentful. I felt happier. Um, and so I really wanted to share that with like everyone, <laughs> you know, I was like wanting to shout it from the rooftop, like it doesn't have to be this hard. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to feel so bad. Um, like this can actually be a really enjoyable experience. You can have energy for it. And not only that, but, um, you know, be more productive at all these things that are adding up um, to making your days feel so, so hard. You know, you can, you can have more energy to get them done. So um, I just really wanted to bring that to moms. I didn't, you know, want them to have the the drowning experience that I had with my first three. My kids are old enough now to say, you know, you were you were really angry, mom. <laughs> when we were little, you were you were really tired, um, and you're so happy now. You know, they're they're the older kids, the teenagers do. So, you know, that's important. That's meaningful, and I don't want anyone to have to to experience that. You know, we talk about self-care. And I love that you have the experience of doing both. And mm -hmm. I think that lends so much to your credibility. And obviously you work with, with hundreds of clients doing similar stuff. But when I think about self-care, why does it feel hard to do? Like it, it should feel fun to do, right? It yeah. should feel like, oh, this is like something I'm like treating myself or like that hashtag treat yourself. So why do we not want to take it? Or why do we not want to actively seek it out, especially as a mom? Yeah, I think that for a lot of moms, we're hearing in the space, like, you've got to take care of yourself, you've got to practice self-care, you've got to, you know, and it starts to feel like one more thing we have to do. Mm. And when it comes down to it, you know, I, I think that there's the, a lot of, of moms, not all moms are like this, but I, it's so common, and maybe it, this is, you know, just this, the people who come to me, but it's so common for me to see people who, women who are doing everything um, for their families, for their kids, for their colleagues, for their, their partners. Um, and then if there's something left over, then they might 
you know, do something for them. But for the most part, they're just like, I don't want to. I, it sounds like another thing I have to do. I don't want to take care of myself. And so what I've discovered is that self-care requires a level of commitment and a level of like, it feels like taking the reins and you don't know what that feels like until you do it. And that's why I, you know, I had the two different experiences. And I think one of the common themes I see is that we're, a lot of us are having crises like I did um, that force us into self-care and it's the only way that we ever get there. So, um, and then I got to experience it and, and saw how much better it was and I couldn't, I couldn't stop doing it. But I think that there is a, that we just hear it and we're like, oh, I have so many other things to do. I can't possibly fit in self-care. And even if I could fit in self-care, I don't know what that is. Like, what is that? What does that even mean? You know, is it a mani-pedi? Is it, an, is it a workout? Is it healthy food? Um, they just don't know what that even means for them. So, like, when you say that um, you take the reins back, like, when you're practicing self-care, you take the reins back because you... I mean, I'm looking at you and I'm like, you're a fucking mom. Like, I'm not a mom. And I'm like, you're a mom. You're fucking in charge, aren't you? Yeah. And you're, you're saying that there's times where you yeah. aren't in charge. Why? Yeah. I mean, I think everybody has, everyone who um, is interested in self-growth uh, kind of knows what I'm saying when I say to take the reins of your own life and not, a lot of people just drift through life and um, they react instead of act. And it can really, that can really take over when you become a mom, like, to the nth degree. Why is that? They are, you know, they need you. They need every, they need you every second of the day. There's so much guilt. There's so, like with social media now, like my son was born at a time right before social media um, and it was different then. And then when, you know, social media came out, there's now articles everywhere saying you shouldn't be letting your kids do this. You shouldn't be doing oh. that. You, like there's so much in your face about the way you should be raising your kids and we feel guilty if we let them watch a screen or if we let, sit them in front of the TV for 30 minutes so we can get a workout or um, there's, there's just so much guilt about it. And I think there's a lot of codependency issues coming in. I think this is probably one of the most codependent generations of moms I've ever, um, you know, that I, I can think of in past generations. We really feel like there's not very much separation between our kids and us. Um, we we think that we are completely responsible for, you know, their feelings and their upbringing and their schooling and whether or not they're getting play dates and whether or not they're getting into the right schools. And um, if they're sad when we leave, then that's our fault. And we're taking more responsibility for, for them than we, than moms have in the past, I think. Mm. And that is creating this um, intense amount of mom guilt. And it's the number one thing that I'm hearing all the time. So, um, they are they are really experiencing that at a level that is it, it makes them resistant to um, it, it makes them resistant to self care and it also makes them feel like they are in a way uh, chained to the to them and yeah. and imprisoned to that to just constantly having to be at their beck and call or you know so is that codependency we've heard that term obviously when it in a relationship romantic mm -hmm. relationship capacity where you know, um, I feel like I can't function without the other person. Yeah. Is it similar when you have a child, you're, you're like, you just what, take so much responsibility yeah. that you feel like they can't function without you. Yes. And to a certain degree, what, you can't function without them or no? Yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, I think it varies from person to person, but um, it's just the idea that there's not, there's a blurry line of where I end and you begin. And we're taking, we're doing things for our kids that they could be doing for themselves. Mm. Like um, one of the, the, one of the first proactive things I did was, you know, it was like, my kids can throw a bunch of stuff in the lawn, in the washing machine and wash their own clothes. And if they don't get folded, you know, that's, that's on them. They can fold clothes, <laughs> you know, and just recognizing what um, they were capable of doing that I was doing for them because I felt like I, you know, wanted to be this like, fairy tale mother, you know, we always have this, I think we all have these dreams of the kind of parent we want to be. And I was trying to live up to that um, and, and do all these things for them. And I don't, you know, I still, codependency is something that I have worked on in my own life as a person. I spent a year in CODA, going to codependency meetings once a week um, because it's such a theme in my life. And I still, even, you know, knowing these things to this day, feel 
bad when I have to tell my daughter, no, you can't have more than one person in the car. It's against the law for kids your age. Or no, you can't go to that sleepover. I don't know that parent or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I have a, a hard time setting boundaries with them. I had a hard time with it when they were, were little. You just don't want them to not like you. Mm. You know, you want them to, as, especially I think if you had a difficult relationship with your own parents, you you tend to kind of want to make up for that or um, or maybe you want to emulate that good relationship you had with them. But we, we want them to see us a certain way, I think. And so we kind of fall into that trap. You know, it's so interesting. Um, and I love that conversation I want to dig into a little bit more because I think we've, we talk about that actually. We just had Ashley Pardo on before you and we were doing an interview. We were talking about boundaries and we were talking about letting people have their perception of you without trying to manage it. Mm. And that's always the hardest with the people closest to us, right? Yes. Like we have our friends, our family, you know, you and I building online businesses. We want the support of our family. We want yeah. our fans to like us. We don't want people to unfollow. We don't want people to unsubscribe. Like we have all these things that we're trying to manage and yet we can't, it's impossible. Yeah. And of course, like this is a person you made. Mm -hmm. So it's like you want of anyone you want to like you. Yeah. It's this person. Yes, exactly. So how do you do that? Yeah. Well, the first thing is like just understanding the nature of children is something that I have to tell myself all the time when my teenage daughter, you know, is basically throwing, she's throwing a temper, temper tantrum at me. She's saying, you're so mean or, um, you know, you, you shouldn't, or all the other moms don't do that. And, oh, I hear that so often. <laughs> I remind myself of when they were little and they would throw temper tantrums when they were little. And, and it's hard. And I, ha I also have a six-year-old who does throw real life temper tantrums and it's really hard to say no um, and you kind of think that you're never like in the moment, it's like, this is the worst thing. I'll never come back from this. They're going to hate me. They're going to grow up knowing that, or thinking that, that their mom doesn't love them. Um, but it's just not true. And that's kind of a catastrophizing thing that we tend to do. And, um, it just rem reminding myself constantly that this is what's best for them. And when you love somebody, you do what's best for them, not what's best for you and for your comfort level and for each other's, you know, for each other's comfort level either. I'm not doing my son any favors giving into his temper tantrums when he, you know, it just makes him throw more temper tantrums. That's just what teaches him to throw more temper tantrums. Yeah. It's so interesting. And I love that because it, it's like, it, it is the person you want to, to love you, appreciate you, see you a certain way yeah. out of everybody. And yet you have these moments where you have to put boundaries in place and you yeah. have to be the bad guy or the bad cop or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And so when you do that, you just go, well, I'm just going to let the chips fall. Or you almost yeah. like what? You just have to trust yeah. yourself or trust. Yes. I struggled at first with setting boundaries in like a, uh, ugh, why, you know, don't do this to me, child. You know, like, why are you, why are you even asking me this? Um, and that does, I think that that can cause some stress in the relationship and I I try to really just stay firm and calm and loving all the, at once but no that's not happening you know you're not going to an Airbnb with your friends or you know, whatever <laughs> it is um, or no you're not getting the third you know more chocolate after dinner for my youngest but um it, just holding firm and showing them that you still love them and and it's really interesting um you know, I always feel like in the moment they are throwing that temper tantrum, they're upset about it, but I always feel closer to them afterwards. Like when the, when it starts to, when the chips do fall and, um, it's, it's clear that, you know, they're not going to get their way. They might sulk for a little bit, but afterwards it's like, they respect you. Mm. And, um, they also you know, when, once you set those boundaries a few times, they stop asking <laughs> and you've like, you've laid those boundaries and they, um, they adjust and they have their adjustment period. That's the, it, that's an important thing to know too, is there is always an adjustment period. And the more you give in, the longer you're going to prolong that. But, um, you know, eventually everyone figures out this is mom's boundaries and I may not like them, but she's not going to change them. And then you move into a place of respect. Mm -hmm. So what were some, and I love that actually one of my first mentors ever said, people respect people with boundaries. And mm -hmm. I always remembered that. And I was like, it's so true. Even mm -hmm. if in the moment they don't love the no, or they don't love whatever yeah. the response is that they're getting. Because that's the thing is like, you don't want to be 
like in an do you know what like an enmeshed relationship yes. is with a parent, right? Yes. Where like they're just divulging everything. Like, and I have yeah. several friends who have uh, have had enmeshed parents, mm-hmm. and like that's super dysfunctional too, right? Like it's one person is obviously. I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, God. Being a parent is such a fucking big responsibility. Yeah, it is. And you did it four times. <laughs> I did. Um, for some reason. Yeah. Well, tell, tell us a little bit about like what you maybe did differently mm-hmm. in, with your fourth that you weren't paying attention to with your first three. Yeah. So I got proactive. I mean, you know, when I say that when the, when the older ones were young, I just ha- always had the sense of drowning and survival. Um, And it was before he was born that I kind of took the reins of my life and started um, just asking myself, like, what what do I need here? What do I need to survive? What do I need to make this go to go from survival to thriving? Um, And it just was clear to me with when they were little, like, this is not going to end. You know, this is not just going to be over. Um, And so I. I was, I also realized I was 37 when he was born and it's like, this is it. I get one more chance at motherhood. I get one shot at life, period. And at this phase of my life, and I only get to be this age one time. Um, I'm tired of just reacting to my circumstances. So I got really proactive. um, And what I knew I needed to do was take care of my physical needs. Um, You know, it was it wasn't, I had always exercised and um, eaten healthy food because I was trying to like fix my body up until that point. And that's like a whole separate thing, <laughs> a whole separate issue. Um, but this time I started doing it because I noticed how it made me feel. And I noticed that when I would just eat and not just like the crust of my kids' sandwiches, but really eat something that they, I felt amazing and that I, I would be able to, um, you know, just be more alert. I mean, it's just like, you don't know. And a lot of us, a lot of the moms that I just talked to, um, I've been talking to moms nonstop this last week and they will tell me like, sometimes I just don't remember to eat. It's really, really common. And it's really common for me to tell my clients, like, don't forget to eat. Um, because it's something that we let go and, and we think that there's just no time. But you, once you do eat, you can think. And then when you can think, you know how to handle problems when kids are screaming and fighting with each other. So, you know, just eating, getting some movement in, and none of it has to be perfect. None of it has to be even all that consistent, but just sometimes um, when you can fit it in, taking that opportunity to just take care of your physical health, but then your emotional health and your spiritual health too, and like finding some sort of deeper purpose, which is how I ended up doing what I'm doing. I really found that purpose um, because you, what your purpose can't be your kids, or it is, yeah. but like, so how does that yeah. kind of come about? It's important to to enjoy. I mean, I think it's important to enjoy raising children, and it's important to raise them the way that you want to, to raise them, and to have those, to nurture those relationships with them too. Um, but they're, you know, someone just joined my program that their kids are are gone, and and they're feeling like now what? Now what do I do? And I could feel that coming up for me too as my kids were getting older. Um, who am I if I'm not mom Mm -hmm. and how am I going to fulfill that sense of purpose? And like, maybe you have grandkids, but really, you know, you don't know if they're going to like be around you or anything. You don't know where they're going to live. Um, and so anytime you're finding your happiness outside of you, you're, um, you risk that being taken away from you at some point. And so I just, and there's nothing wrong with finding happiness in other things, but when you're relying on it solely, it can be yanked out from under you at any point. So um, really just finding something other than, you know, other than just being a mom and finding something that's just for you, that you, whether that's just, you know, some volunteer work or a certain friendship or, you know, starting a business like I did, um, something that's just for you. And that's very, you know, something that really fulfills you and makes you feel like you're excited to wake up and start your day. Did you, when you were transitioning to that, and I know you had your own business before, you're kind of doing the the health kind of coaching you're doing now, mm-hmm. but did you have to like talk yourself up to like, okay, like I can, I'm worthy to take time away from my kids. Like how did you deal oh, with yeah. the mom guilt in real time? Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, there was a, a lot of self communication and a lot of journaling about, and it's, uh, you know, I've always been a very self aware person. I, um, 
I pride myself on always asking, you know, can this be better? What could I be doing to be having a better experience? Um, and so it felt it was natural for me to be like, why is this happening? You know, and like I said, I had this this crisis. I was going through divorce. I, my dad had a brain tumor. This was all happening within six months, um, and it's just like the universe was screaming at me, <laughs> like you know, this has got to change. Um, so you know, it's just a, you have to start with I am worthy, and I I belong on the priority list with my with my kids. Um, and with my spouse, and I hear from so many people who are like, my spouse has zero problem like going out with the guys or asking for time away uh, when, when they need it. But for some reason, a lot of moms have trouble asking for that. Um, and just saying, like, I deserve it too. It doesn't have to be that, you know, it's not either or. It's both. We can all have our needs met. We can all, like, there's, it, there's, there's enough to go around for everyone. And it's really self-care is more of a mindset anyways. It's not um, things you have to do and boxes mm. you have to check. It's just a way of thinking about things. Like, did I eat? <laughs> you know? And, it, and if you didn't eat, like, I should eat. <laughs> and that sounds so simple, but that is really something that, we ha that I had to work on personally. Um, so just that, having that foundation of... This is, I, this has to happen for me. I am a human being. I have needs. Um, they have to come probably first because one. Because your spouse probably is going to be like, honey, yeah. you should go away for the girl. Like maybe every yeah. once in a while. Yes. But for the most part, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And Tony and I, my husband and I negotiated when Austin was born um, because we were, we both had gotten into the practice of practicing self-care for, for both of us. Um, before he was born and we wanted it to continue and something we negotiated was on the weekends I have Saturday like I get to do anything I want on Saturdays he has Sunday he can do anything he wants I do all the the care of Austin on Sunday and he does it all on Saturday and it's amazing you know we we both feel like we get that time um, alone we and we feel like um, it, you know we have that time to fill up our tanks and we can take on the week and it's cool yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's, so that goes into kind of my next question, which is what does self-care look like? Like I love like tactical stuff. So one of the things you always say is self-care is a lifestyle. Yeah. It's not a to-do list. It's a lifestyle. Yes. Because when I think self-care and the reason why I think sometimes people's eyes gloss over when we talk yeah. about it is like, okay, fucking a, a bubble bath, right? Or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, you know, it just feels so cliche. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean it's a lifestyle? Yeah, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a mindset it's never one thing and something like you may like I, I had a lot of moms um, who had just had babies and they thought that self-care was a workout. And sometimes when you have a new baby, a workout is like the worst thing you could do. Um, if you've just given birth, you know, you have you have all sorts of problems with your with your healing that you could backtrack. Um, you know, sometimes we're just too tired and a workout would cause us to get sick or injured. So it's not always the same thing. It's the art of figuring out um, what would make me feel better in the big picture and not even like immediately because sometimes we, we want to do things immediately that would make us feel good right now. Like you drink a bottle of wine. Right. Right. Yeah. Which <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> sure. That would make you feel great um, for that day, but you're going to, you know, yeah. it's not, it's going to be harmful to you in the long run. And so you got to think about the big picture and what's going to, to be um, beneficial to you and make you feel better in, in the long run. And sometimes that is like, you know, pushing yourself to go work out when you don't want to. Um, and sometimes it's like going to get a mammogram or seeing the doctor. Um, it's the answer to the question, what do I need? And it's just like, you know, for moms, we can look at our kids and know exactly what they need. We have no problem identifying, oh, she needs to brush her teeth. We need to get to the dentist. We haven't been there in a while. Um, or, or whatever it is, but we don't do that for ourselves and we just neglect it. And because there's no time, um, or we feel like there's no time, but, um, that's the part that's backwards. It's like, if we would just take care of ourselves, um, we, you know, in prioritizing it, and this is what I found, I, I just kind of shifted everything. I, I moved it over to where I was doing those things. And yet there was still all this time to, to still take care of the kids, um, and to still, you know, make sure that they were cared for and to also teach them how to care for themselves. Mm. Um, that was huge. And, and it just all works out and it, it, it kind of flips itself on its head. And that's, 
that's where the magic is. And we don't see that when we're not doing it. Right. It's almost like you need to have that little like trusting. Yeah. Leap yes. Exactly. To almost be like, well, let me try this and we'll kind of, it's like when you kind of stop dieting, right? You're yeah. like, I don't quite trust this new thing yet. Yeah. But I know I can't keep doing this. Right. Right. And so you're finally get to the, getting to that point. So let's talk a little bit more tactical because, um, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about in the best life is like communication, mm -hmm. boundaries, like mm -hmm. all those kind of juicy things. So tell me about like, okay, I love the example of you have Saturdays, Tony has Sundays. Mm -hmm. And so what are some other, or maybe if someone's listening and they're going, well, it sounds like Deanna has a really supportive spouse, Yeah, but mine, we just have never interacted that way. Or if I yeah. tried to say I need time or whatever, that probably wouldn't go over well. How do you ask for support mm -hmm. from your spouse or, you know, co-parent or f family members or like, who do you need to have conversations with for this stuff to change? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is really hard because, um, you know, I just talked to a mom yesterday who is a military spouse and her husband was deployed. So she lit and they were like moving to Alaska. They knew no one. She, it was literally just her and the baby. Um, and you know, sometimes it, it there, sometimes there's someone there that you can ask for help. And a lot of people just aren't doing it because, you know, I don't know why. I don't know why we're not asking. I think a little, a little bit of it is like we have this identity as like the person who doesn't ask for anything. Um, and we're kind of pride ourselves on that. Or maybe we're scared that we look weak. Um, I think that we think that if we ask for help, that that means something about us as a mom, that we, it, we're a failure. Mm. Um, there's so much pressure to just do it all here as women and in this country. Um, you know, we need to be like nursing a baby while, you know, going back to work and, and having a career and also being the perfect spouse and like maintaining a perfect body. And yeah. Like not hiring it. And yeah. cleaning. Yeah. Like you should be able to do it <laughs> like all. Like it's like hiring a cleaning person. Yeah. <laughs> Is that okay? Like I remember even, yeah. and I'm not a mom, but I remember having shame over that originally being oh. like, okay. Like I'm not a, like a woman is supposed to be yeah. able to do this. And I was like, but why do I keep forcing myself to do something why that, would I want to? Right, yeah. that number one, I'm terrible at mm -hmm. number three, number two, that like take us all my time. Yeah. And not even just the time it takes to clean, but the mental energy around like, oh, fuck, I got to go clean. Right. And I could be doing things that I'm much better at. Yeah. Yeah. So would that be something actually yes. I just one of the girls in um, the mastermind um, shared with me last week that she was like, you know what, Jill, you know, uh, the revenue has gone up in the business and we've put it right back into the business. Mm -hmm. But we put it in through getting a full-time, making our nanny full-time. Yeah. I mean, and that is yeah. literally like it's helping the business, right? Because mm -hmm. now she can work because she works from home. Yes. And so like what are some other maybe examples of is it getting a cleaning lady? Is that okay? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's okay. I mean, it's okay <laughs> for anyone. But, but what like, if you don't have the cash? Yeah. If you don't have the cash. I mean, I think that one of the best things you can do is just to find some sort of like tribe around you too. I mean, if you don't, if you don't have a, a supportive spouse – um, you know, my mom, when I was growing up, she had a best friend and they, like my mom would take a day and then we would go to my friend's house. Um, and then they would switch and she would do the thing. So, you know, reaching out to friends and, and I mean, it, it takes some creativity, right? Like it takes some creativity to figure out, well, will my spouse do this? And by the way, if your spouse is not supportive of, um, you know, if the co-parent is not supportive of the parent taking time away, you know, that that's time to have a, one of those difficult conversations. Um, and, you know, there's an art form to that too. Um, you know, we're on a team here and I need you supporting me. The, your team member is really struggling here. Um, and I, I, I hear that a lot from stay-at-home moms especially. Um, because they feel, what's a unique challenge to maybe a full-time mom versus someone who's working? Yeah, so a stay-at-home mom really struggles with feeling like they're home all day. They should be cleaning <laughs> or, you know, they're home. Like I hear that all the time. I'm home all day. I really should be cleaning. I'm home all day. I really should be doing all the cooking. I'm home all day. I really shouldn't need a break because he goes to work all day or, you know, my partner goes to work all day long um, and he has to get up in the morning. So I really can't ask him to get up at nighttime. Um, and, you know, I struggled with that too, even with, with my youngest was born. And I remember saying that to a friend and she was like, you know, parenting, you know, there's, you are staying home and that is a job, you know, to, you know raising your kids is, is a job for sure, but there's also parenting. And if you were going to work and you were both coming home, you know, you would, you would split those, the parenting part of it, the parenting aspect of it. But, um, we get it all mixed up in our heads. You know, the, the stay at home mom gets it all mixed up in her head because she is, you know, not going anywhere. She's not getting a paycheck. There's no, there's, there's not clear lines there. So they have a lot of trouble um, knowing even, you know, why they should ask 
for that help. Yeah, that's hard too, because I think especially in like our society and like our capitalist society is like whoever's making the money has the power. Right. Exactly. So how does a mom who, you know, they had a, a they made a choice together as a couple mm-hmm. that you're going to stay home and I'm going to go to work. I'm making enough money. I'd rather you be home with the kids. Yeah. Can that mom, I mean, do you have to ask for yes. cash? Like, how does that work? If you're like, I would love to take a spa day with my girlfriends, mm-hmm. but it's going to cost a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Like, obviously you need to have a conversation, but. Yeah. That's a, I mean. It adds an extra layer. Yeah, it adds an extra layer. Tony and I have always agreed, you know, we have separate incomes, but we've always agreed on a certain amount of discretionary for each of us, and it's always there. I always know I have X amount of money to spend on myself every month. Um, And, you know, maybe it's a little different, but there's, you know, there's been months when I, like, had a really low month. You know, we're both self-employed, so I had a really low month, and um, I still took my discretionary (laughs) because I'm still working really hard, and I need that. I need that for myself. Um, so there's some negotiations and I think that, um, we don't know how to have those kind of conversations with our spouse too, where, um, you know, we feel like we're whining or we feel like we're nagging. Um, and there is an art form to that too, where it's really like, um, coming at them, not coming at them, um, getting them, asking them for help. It's, it's more like, Hey, we're on the same team here. I am really struggling with this. I am really tired. Um, I think that this would help. Would you be okay with that? And when you come to them like that, they, um, generally speaking for most people are like honored that you would ask, you know, they, people love to help. I think it was at your, one of your mm-hmm. events that we talked about how people really love to help and do favors for, for other people. Um, and so they're, they're usually thrilled. Like I have clients who are scared to ask and they will, ha- I'll teach them how to have that conversation. And it works almost you know, every single time. And they're not only does it work, but they're happy to offer that, that time for them. And even if they're not, even if they're grumpy about it, like I had some, um, spouses that were grumpy when the moms, uh, wanted to come to my retreat. And, um, when they came home, they were so rested and so fulfilled and so happy. Um, and the spouse was like, sign, like sign up for next year. <laughs> You're going again. So, um, you know, they, they may not, they may be grumpy about it at first, but when they see what it does for you and they see how much, um, happier you are and how much easier you are to be around, um, you know, when you're fulfilled and when you're not stressed and burned into the ground, they'll be all for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that because it, it's like, it is counterintuitive. And I think sometimes, especially if you are in a long-term relationship, right? It's like, well, we have our roles. Yes. And anything that like rocks that boat is like, whoa. You know, I've seen this, especially not necessarily with moms, but obviously, you know, teaching new entrepreneurs. I have a lot of moms who may be into empty nesters or Mm -hmm. their kids are finally in school and they want to go back and get a certification and become a personal trainer or they want to invest, you know, thousands of dollars into business coaching. And Mm -hmm. the spouse is like, well, that will take time away from this thing we yeah. decided on together. Yep. You know, so there's a lot of nuance and I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it sounds like, and I'm just maybe not in mom circles, but is this, what would you say is the general feeling in the mom community? Is it more, yes, take self-care or is it, no, that's your responsibility. You need to make sure you're doing like, what would you say the, the climate of that conversation is? Um, I think it's probably pretty split. I, I, I definitely think there's the camp of like, you know, of no, that's selfish. And I need to, you know, there's like a, um, there's a certain label of parenting where it's like, I am everything for my child and I don't do anything for myself. And that's selfish. I feel like that's getting a little bit smaller. And I think people are starting to realize, um, that they, they, they can't do it all. Like we literally cannot do it all. Um, and we can't be everything for everyone without, um, caring for ourselves first and we can't be everything to everyone anyways, even our kids. But, um, you know, just starting to take care of themselves. I'm definitely, you know, I'm in a bubble of (laughs) people who want to practice self-care, obviously. Um, so that's what I see the most of, but, um, I'm also seeing that there's a lot of wanting and not a lot of necessarily doing. Right. Cause that's, that's different, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it's really easy in any capacity to, you know, intellectualize something and be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Or yeah, that would be great to do. Or Mm -hmm. yeah, I should take more self-care. I should do more stuff for myself. Yeah. 
about that time to interrupt you and just talk about CBD for Life really quick. So if you go to cbdforlife.us, you can find out a little bit more, but CBD for Life has so graciously sponsored the Best Life Podcast. And I want to talk about today just really quick, what exactly does CBD do? So CBD is the most commonly used to address anxiety, um, insomnia, and some people say it helps them fall asleep, stay asleep, and offers some other treatments for different types of chronic pain. You can try CBD to see how it works for you, but what is great about CBD and why it's been so popular and blowing up is that it has these amazing effects, but it doesn't have the psychoactive component that THC does. That's a psychoactive component if you were like smoking pot or doing something like that. And so there's no high. Uh, you can go to work. You can, you can be normal. I know for me, well, I'm not even going to tell any stories about that, but let's just say I get a little paranoid. So CBD has done none of those things. It just gives me nice, calm feeling, nice relaxation. And you are able to get with Purity uh, CBD for Life tinctures. They are third-party tested, so you know you're getting what what you're paying for. Uh, there's no THC detected and you can get a sweet discount if you use the Best Life at checkout. So go to cbdforlife.us and here's the episode. What gets your clients over that hump of going, that would be nice to be able to do that to actually doing it? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of the times they're just so, they're, they're, they're where I was at or there's just no other choice. Um, but, and I think also just knowing, seeing that when you start to do it, like you, you trust enough to take that first step to do it. And, you know, with me, they have some accountability, so they were, they're going to do like, it. Did you do it? <laughs> Did you yeah. do it? I'll see you next week. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing this week? Yes. And some so, of this stuff is so small, right? Like yeah. it doesn't have to be these, like I'm taking thing. like a week away or I'm spending thousands of dollars on yeah. business coaching. It's like, what's like one small step that someone can start to do? Yeah. So it's these little 1% actions is what I like to tell them, but it adds, it's, you do all these little 1% things and it adds up to you feeling better and it's not perfect. You know, we're still going to feel stressed. I still feel stressed. Um, I still feel tired. I still feel overwhelmed a lot, but it's nothing like it was when it was like, that's all I felt back, you know, in my early childhood or my early motherhood days. Um, now it's manageable and I think it's probably more normal um, and that's with, you know, my youngest has special needs and we, I am at the school constantly. I'm getting interrupted a lot. Um, I'm on the phone with teachers. I'm, I'm researching educational planning meetings. I mean, this is, and then that, and that's aside from like dealing with you know, him and his communication, um, his communication obstacles. So, you know, this is, this is something that you just trust a little bit and you just take that first step and you see that um, it feels better and that it becomes like addicting. Once you see it, it becomes so addicting. And you also can't overwhelm yourself. Like that's why I would talk about the one person actions. It's the little things like, um, you know, putting on a little makeup in the morning just to look more like yourself or um, doing, you know, I'll have clients where I'm like, just wake up and do like 10 jump squats or something just to get the blood flowing or do some, do five sun salutations just to move your body a little bit it doesn't have to be like this two hours at the gym and it doesn't need to be like a whole spa day you can just put on some lipstick or one of the little things that I do is like I diffuse when we wake up my son our our mornings are really hard <laughs> there's a lot of like tactical things so um I one of the first things I do before I ever see him is I diffuse oil in the bedroom like a peaceful smelling oil and I turn on spa music on my computer um, and I turn on like I just make my room into like this peaceful haven it takes me 30 seconds and um, but for like that few minutes I feel I, I feel ready I feel ready to go out there and face him <laughs> <laughs> yeah face and get everyone day. to school so those little things add up um, and it's just that mindset of like recognizing when you are when you are betraying yourself and you know and and putting them first and when you need something and you're saying yes when you really should be saying no um it really is just a different way of looking at things throughout the day like oh i've got time now to go eat you know i should go eat something um or i really should reach out to a friend and say hi or i should make that um that 
that lunch date. I have a standing lunch date every month. My I have five best friends. We have a standing lunch date every month. Um, the third Saturday, we have brunch together, and I live for it, you know? So, so you're saying that what can feel a little bit like one more thing to do right. becomes something that you look forward to. It becomes, I mean, you get, you just, you see the, when you get to the other side of it and, you know, at first your brain's going to fight back and, you know, it's going to, you're not going to always want to do it. And that's, you know, developing right. self-discipline is another story. But, um, but when you get to the other side of it, you do, you feel better. And that's the thing is like the moms that I work with within a month or two, you know, right away of, of doing these things for themselves and just the mindset of putting themselves first and the way they think about exercise rather than it being something that they're trying to fix their body with. They are doing it because they want the endorphins and because they know it's going to make them a better mom because they're not going to yell at their kids as much when they do it. Um, you know, these little things we start to notice, and especially if you've got someone helping you notice them too, um, they, they start to notice that they just feel better. And once you experience that, you, you don't, I mean, in my experience and watching with my clients, you don't want to go back. I love that. The things that, the things that really make the biggest difference will stick and the things that don't will fall away. And then you just kind of create this, your own lifestyle, your own life aside from your kids. Yes. And so one of the things you're doing right now is we're in LA. Yes. And we have four meetups per year. Yes. And And I go to every single one of them. And they're so great. There's, but the very first one that you came to was almost two years ago. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time you had ever traveled on a plane by yourself. Yes. (laughs) I still can't (laughs) believe that because now I'm like an old pro at it. Um, I'm like helping other people at the airport that look lost. But yeah, it was the first time I had ever gotten on a plane by myself. Um, I had always either traveled with a spouse or a friend or, um, or, you know, my kids back when I would even attempt that. But yeah, it was, it was really exciting and I felt empowered by it. I was scared to death. Like talk about getting out of your comfort zone, not just getting on a plane by myself, but like coming here and meeting you and meeting all these people that I've never met before and navigating a city that I've never been to before. Um, but oh my God, thank like, look where we are right now. (laughs) You know, thank God that I did because, um, you know, it was a, it was a turning point in my life, a turning point in my business. Um, and I, it was very, it was so empowering. It was like one of those first things where I can always look back on that experience and think, remember when I got out of my comfort zone and I pushed myself and look how amazing it was. And like uh, how at the, the great times that I have had since then, just being willing to, to do that. And it's awesome. Yeah. And so, and it's so much easier. And this is what I talk about, especially when it comes to live events. And I want to talk about your retreat that you have for moms too. It's so much easier to just not go. Yeah. Right. It's so much easier to just be like, ah. Yeah. And just be, because it's the status quo. It's yeah. like, well, you know, I'll catch the next one or whatever. And we always, it's so easy because look, you're here, you're away from your family. You have to, you know, figure out childcare. Potentially you, it's a lot of money to come out, you know, and yeah. do something. Right. So it's, there's not only just like the stuff you're missing at home, but now there's the additional costs and investments. That, so it's so easy to just see all the things that are that the discomfort adding up and just deciding not to go. Yeah. And so that's why I always talk about, especially when we talk about like marketing live events, sometimes it's so hard because there are so many barriers yeah. that you're having to not only convince someone to pay the ticket amount to come. Right. It's not just that. It's the time. In fact, the ticket amounts rarely the reason why people don't come. It's like, cool, everyone has like 300 bucks that you probably spend, mm-hmm. but it's all the other stuff. Yeah. And so I know that you just had an amazing retreat a few months ago mm-hmm. with a bunch of moms uh, talking about self-care, talking about health, fitness, you know, mm-hmm. mindset, lifestyle, wellness. And it was super magical. It was magical. And yet it was hard at first for people to mm-hmm. give themselves permission to come. Yes. And at the end they were like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't do this sooner. Sign so tell me up. Yeah. So exactly. And they all sign up for the next one yeah. or whatever. So tell us a little bit about that um, event. Oh my gosh. It was, I, I just, I have had this vision in my head of bringing moms together because I talk individually to so many and they're all saying the same thing to me. And I'm like, if you could only hear this person saying it, it would make you feel so much better. Because I know I get that when I'm with, you know, with my mastermind of women, um, when I'm with my friends and, and I get that validation and those ideas and just knowing I'm not alone is so empowering. And um, I had this vision of them sitting in a room together. And I remember um, everyone being there and they'd all gotten on planes and come to Austin and um, Ashley Pardo was there. She was doing her workshop and it was just magical, you know, and there was 
a couple of like sharing sessions where everyone um, was talking, we were talking about body image and our relationship with food and our relation and like our self-worth. And um, it's, there's just something so special when we get together and we really open up and really show who we are to someone else. And someone looks back at you and says, me too. And like, you see that reflection of yourself. Um, and so validating. And also they got to like, I was getting texts within, you know, the first hour for people at the airport. And they were like, I've been on a plane since seven o'clock this morning and it's the best day of my life <laughs> because no one is asking me for anything. I get to eat anything that I want to. I'm not eating the scraps of their food. Um, I'm sitting in a cafe and it's quiet. I mean, they were just so happy before they ever even got to the retreat just from that alone because they're not, they, they're not in the practice of necessarily of doing those kind of indulgent things for themselves or just being, you know, who they are, being that person. And so, um, it was, it was just magical in the sense of connection. It was magical watching them get to just like be, like be themselves for a little bit and get to, um, I mean, you know, it sounds so silly, but ordering the food that they want to order, you know, and going to the restaurant that they want to go to it. Those are indulgent things when you have kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's so interesting. You said it's like not being in the practice of doing that. Yeah. And then over time you're like, okay, how, okay. I can see how I'll never not do this now. Yes. Right. It's yes. kind of like, okay, now this is just built into my practice. Exactly. And I, that's why I'm so grateful for someone like you who is giving Yes, the tactical steps, but you're also walking your walk. Yeah. Right? And you're showing that. Yes. And if you guys follow Deanna, which you should on Instagram, it's just Deanna Schober, and we'll put in the show notes. Um, you know, but you always show, like, kid-free weekends. You mm-hmm. always show, like, you know, we're going out to brunch with the husband, and, like, you guys have – so you and your husband have your own podcast. Yes. Cool. So what's that about? Um, we talk about the mindset of fitness and um, nutrition and um, weight loss. Because we both um, struggled in the past with disordered eating habits, and we both um, were really extreme on diets and really extreme with our exercise. Um, He suffered from a binge eating disorder, actually, for years. Um, And we we go on date nights every week. My husband and I have um, had a date night ever since our son was born, thanks to my wonderful mother-in-law, who lives very close and comes over every week to see her grandson, so that we can go have a date night. And so we would sit down and we would talk about these things. And we both have clients and we would talk about, um, yeah, well, if, you know, my client was, was doing it this way, but I got them to think about it this way. And um, you know, this person was being really extreme and I just had her do this. And so we would talk, we would have these deep philosophical discussions about the mindset of fitness and nutrition. And, um, Tony leaned over one day and said, we, cause we were at our favorite sushi restaurant. We should call this fitness. We should have microphones here and we should call it fitness and sushi. And it was like, yes. <laughs> and it, it actually happened. Um, and we are having so much fun and we love it and people love it. They, they, um, are getting a lot out of it. So we're enjoying it. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Make sure you guys are subscribed. Check out fitness and sushi. Um, I love that you guys do it together. It definitely makes it different. Yes. You know, and you guys have a ton of clinical experience between the two of you mm-hmm. in the same industry, but different kind of different approaches. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really great. So where, can, and I think this is probably going to come out pretty soon, like in the next couple of weeks. And I know you do have a self-care program that's mm-hmm. getting ready to launch for mom. So can you tell us a little bit about that? If someone's listening to this and they're just nodding along like, holy shit, that's where I used to be. Oh my God. Or like, that's where I am right now. I yeah. need help. Like whatever do you have? Like what resources do you have for moms? Yeah. So um, I have a, a course. I'm just, you know, launching the beta version of it right now. I've got some ladies going through it that are kind of testing it out for me and making sure it's perfect. I did tons of research to make sure that I was giving moms what they needed to be able to walk through the steps of practicing self-care from getting from where I was when I was drowning, when I was just surviving and, um, and, you know, giving my all to everyone else and feeling like there was nothing else to my life to getting to where I am now, where I do like enjoy my own business and have kid-free weekends and, um, and, and feel happy and present. Um, and you know, I mean, happy is the word that I just always come back to because that just really describes my life. Now I feel like I'm really enjoying my kids and enjoying being a mom now. Um, so the practical steps of walking them from one, from one end to the other and how they can, um, figure that out for themselves personal to their life. Cause 
self-care for me is, you know, is kid-free weekends and flying to LA once a, <laughs> once a, every couple or yeah. twice a year. And, um, you know, certain things, but for you, it's going to look totally different. So figuring out what it is that they can do at this phase of their lives. So it's for all moms, any mom, no matter what phase you're in. Um, and, and walking you through, um, those, those practical steps that you can take and start taking action. There's a little, you know, built in accountability so that I can kind of help you to get started. Um, but the, the goal is for you to get addicted and then you won't. You, you won't want to go back. Yeah. yeah. You won't and I love that. And the, one of the things I do love about the way that you teach is let, like, I think you definitely help your clients customize whatever the path is going to look like for them in terms of like tactical steps. But you yeah. also help people with the mindset behind it. Yeah. So some of the stuff we talked about in this, this episode about like the mom guilt and like, how do you have the conversation with your spouse or your partner? And like, what does the communication look like? Like mm-hmm. the soft skills Yes. versus just being like, I don't know what to tell you. Just go to the spa. Right. It's like, yeah. there's a lot of nuance tons that has to happen a lot of considerations and like you really talk your clients through that so yeah I'm excited for the program I think it's gonna be amazing make sure you guys are um, checking in with Deanna send her a DM if you're listening to this and you're nodding along please reach out to her and connect with her Um, she has a ton of resources um, and from everything that you heard I'm sure she can understand wherever you're at Um, but anything else that we should know no, definitely reach out to me because like my favorite thing ever is talking to moms and talking to um, uh, talking to moms about self-care and about the mindset behind it. So I, I love talking to, Amazing. to people. I love it. This yeah. was so informative. I learned a lot. Thank oh, you. Oh, good. <laughs> Thank you. All right, you guys, we will see you next time. Make sure you guys connect with Deanna. We'll make sure that her information is in the show notes. And if you love this, we would always love a review and a rating on iTunes. That would be great if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while and you've gotten some stuff out of it. Be super honest in there. If someone is looking for a podcast, um, give them some tips or give them some insight into what they might be able to get on the best life. We would definitely appreciate it. All right, you guys, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.